Welcome to Kick Cage. Mike, thank you very much for joining me on a, a very sunny kick cage. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, it's lovely weather outside, but I thought I'd take five minutes out of the sun just to come and uh, have a chat with you, mate. Fantastic. So, yeah. Um, on previous podcasts, uh, we've had veterans talk about how they've used Airsoft uh, to help them recover from mental and physical injuries. Now, for the uninitiated, in your own words, could you perhaps describe what Airsoft is and how you personally came across it? Yeah, so obviously looking at your previous podcasts and stuff like that, um, it's big boots to fill. Uh, you know, you've had veterans and ex, uh, emergency service personnel and things like that featuring on the show. So I believe I'm the first Airsoft, if you want to call it that, yeah. to feature on Kit Cage, yeah. uh, which is an honour, but it's obviously big boots to fill. Um, you know, no way, shape or form do I think that I'm serving or anything like that. Um, but it's just a different perspective from the other side of the coin, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. Um, just, uh, you know, from how it's the, the opposite way around, yeah. if that makes sense. Um, so, Airsoft for me, uh, I started it what, about eight years ago now, seven, eight years ago, I think. Um, it was something me and my dad uh, started together as a bit of a father-son thing to do uh, together. And, um, yeah, it's sort of thing at a time in my life where I needed something constructive right. um, to sort of put my efforts into, put my money into. Um, I'd done your, your usual sort of hobbies of like playing football and that kind of thing. And it was at a time in my life, I wanted something a bit different. Um, I just met my wife. Uh, we just found out we was having a baby and stuff. So it was time to like knuckle down and yeah. start, you know, focusing on something constructive. So um, so what I come to the decision, I started looking for a hobby and I knew that me and the lads, not my lads that used to go out with and stuff like that, you know, we used to love paintballing. We used to do an annual paintball event every year where we'd all get together and go paintballing. And I thought, oh, you know, I fancy playing in a paintball team. So started looking down the paintball route. Sorry for swearing on this podcast, That's but yeah. Right. Um, saying the dreaded P word, but uh but yeah, so I started looking into paintball teams and um, I come across this thing, Airsoft. I'd never, ever heard of it, never seen it. Um, started watching a few videos yeah. and I was like, bloody hell, I was taking it to the extreme, you know. So I had it in the back of my head that I liked the look of it. It was quite good. And then uh, fast forward a few months and me and my dad, because obviously my dad's previously been on the show, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Terry Arnett, Pilgrim Bandits and all that. Um, so I was helping my dad at an event once uh, with the charity and we got speaking to these guys, exactly the same as what my dad said on the previous show. Um, we got speaking to some guys from Red Wolf Airsoft who started showing us rifles and things like that. And that was the old hooked. I think we bought our first rifles on the way home, I think, or it was we was hooked straight away. Um, and the rest is history, you know. So, yeah. So it was something um, that I needed at that time in my life. Um mm -hmm which is, you know, going into this a bit further down the line, into this chat, 
uh, you'll see just how much it's helped me going yeah. forward. Yeah. So, yeah. Fantastic. Um, so how would somebody uh, who's just heard about Airsoft that's seen YouTube videos, how would they personally get into Airsoft? Um, for myself, I was quite fortunate um, because obviously we've made the connections at that, that event, you know, uh, Gaz Perkins and uh, at Red Wolf Airsoft. Yeah. Um, we'd um, made those connections. Um, but I think to get into Airsoft, it's just one of those things, you've just got to go and have a go. Yeah. Just get stuck in and have a go. Um, find your local site. Do a bit of research first. Um, there's plenty of like, you know, these Facebook pages and forums and that kind of thing knocking about. Um, and the Airsoft community in general is quite, you get the odd few, obviously, where it can be quite toxic, as people know. Yeah. Um, but the general like community of the Airsoft community, um, they're very welcoming and they're willing to help and offer advice. Um, so if, if you should just start out in Airsoft, I think, you know, just get yourself stuck in, find your local site, go and rent for a bit, turn up in a hoodie, in, in tracksuit bottoms, stuff you don't mind getting shitted up in, you know, uh, rent a G36 or whatever it is that the sites, you know, common sites are renting out of these yeah. days. And just get stuck in and get a love for the game. Um, <laughs> I was quite fortunate that we had those connections, so I was able to pretty much get my straight, my, my rifle straight away, pretty much. Uh, obviously, we had to do the Ukara thing and yeah. all that. But, um, but you know, quite quickly, we'd had our first rifle, you know. Uh, <laughs> and then I look back at sort of the kit that I bought just to get me playing. Um, and I just think start cheap with with it, with the game, you know yeah. what I mean? Because as we know, you know Brock as well, um, you know, especially being with our lads, it's, it can be an expensive game. <laughs> um, but my advice is literally stick to your budget, do you know what I mean? Don't break the bank. Don't, I mean, if you can afford it straight away, great, go for it. But, um, you know, if you can only afford just a, an Osprey plate carrier or whatever, you know, then go for it and just buy it and just uh, it gradually builds. Your kit gradually builds as time goes on anyway. Um, but just get yourself in there and get started. Otherwise, it'd be one of those things you'll keep meaning to do it and never will. Yeah. So, um, grabbing a kit perhaps off Amazon, building it off eBay, going in your tracksuit bottoms, renting a gun. That's a skirmish day. You've got skirmish days, you've got battle sims and mill sims. What's the difference between all three of those? Um, so in simple terms, in simple terms and how I perceive it. Uh, so a skirmish day is your normal rock up on a Sunday, one day event. Um, the objectives are very quite fast paced and simple to get your head around, if that makes sense. So it is quite... I, I believe skirmish days are quite paintball-y, like, if that makes sense. So it, it can be... There will be certain sites that do things a bit different and mix it up on just one-day events, like <clears throat> uh, Camp Sparta. They do great skirmish days. Um, the Kingdom, Octat the Kingdom, they do great skirmish days where it's a bit more in-depth. But you tend to find a lot of skirmish days are on paintball sites. Um, you know, they share them. Um, you've got, like, Fireball, which is local to me, Fireball uh, Squadron. They're quite local to me. Um, and they share their site with MPF Paintball. So, and the games are very similar. So, it is like, um, you know, capture the flag. We are running and grabbing flags. And, you know, that kind of kind of game, if that makes sense. Uh, your battle sims are a bit... Well, it will go to the opposite end. Mill sim is the complete opposite to a skirmish day. So, it is over... A few days uh, can be 24 hours, 48 hours. You're out in the sticks or whatever. 
Russian practiced a lot. And it is, as it says on the team, military simulation. Yeah. So the objectives are a lot more real world. You tend to find the kit people wear are a lot more real world. Um, and, um, you know, it's it's not an elite thing at all. People say elitist and all stuff like that. It's not. It's just a completely different style of game. Um, you know, if you think you could be out for 24 hours in a day, uh, you know, playing all day and for two days on the truck, but you have just got your tracky bottoms and whatever, then go and give it a go. Do you know what I mean? It's it's not just because you've got the cry and all that, you know. Yeah. Obviously, you, you buy that stuff to be able to make your 48 hours or whatever more... <laughs> it's easier. It, it, make, it makes you more comfortable. Yeah, you've got the right kit. You're more comfortable, yeah, you know. So... Um, but if you haven't got that tough shit, you're going to have to sort of rough it out a bit. But you'll see what sort of kit you need to get and what will make your life easier. Even down to things like a cut bed, you know what I mean? Or, um, you know, a basher sheet or, do you know what I mean? So, so you, you know, you've got the, the two ends of the spectrum there. And I, I believe Battle Sim is smack bang in the middle. So it's not too, no pressure, not too strict, but it's got the element of Milsim thrown into a skirmish day to make it a bit more padded out and a bit more, you know, a bit more than just you capturing a flag. It might be um, there's a bit of a storyline behind the game. Um, and instead of capturing a flag, it might be you're capturing a weapon of mass destruction. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, it's created to make it sound a bit more real world um, than just grabbing a flag or, you know, that kind of thing. It's a bit more padded. Though. So, obviously... Um... To relate it to football, you've got your skirmish, which is your Sunday five-a-side pub team kickabout. Then perhaps yeah. the championship level, you're talking uh, your battle sim, and then your premiership kind of football club, you're talking your Milson. Um, so when it comes to those sort of teams, they're sort of called impressionist teams. Um, what sort of uh, position would you place your team, Bravo 4-6, on that sort of sliding level? Okay, so... This is this is the thing with me with Milsim and impression teams, yeah. And this is where I think that it's a grey area, in my opinion. It's a grey area, um, and they sort of bleed into both, if that makes sense. So, impression teams, I believe, are different to Milsim teams, right? Okay, so it can bleed into both, but so a Milsim team, they don't have how do you explain this? So a Milsim team will just buy the higher end gear. Um, to be able to cope for your longer events, yeah? It doesn't really matter specifically what type of kit it is, unless they have sort of kit standards within their team. Yeah. An impression team, <laughs> impressionist team, um, basically they take a real-world regiment, for example, to say 2-2 SAS or SBS or Navy SEALs or Delta or someone some like that, and their whole kit is based around what the guys in real world are wearing. Right. Okay. Um, and it is literally, <laughs> I call them stitch counters. That is where stitch counters come from. Um, but they are, these guys are great. The impressionist team, some of the impressionist teams that are out there, you know, you've got like people like E27, um, T42, teams like that. They, their kit is bang on. Um, you know, they research the kit. Uh, there's a lot more research that goes into impressionist teams. So they, they really research what these guys in real world are wearing down to their rifles, down to the last the last stitch, you know. Wow. And they are the sort that if they get photographed, 
it's you would believe those photos are real. You know, if they got in the wrong hands or whatever, you know, yeah. you believe that they were real. But these guys can use their that kit, obviously, into a Milson. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So it sort of bleeds into into both. As far as Bravo goes, um, you, you'll know yourself. As far as Bravo goes, um, I don't think we're quite there yet as an impressions team. I, I think the, we are lightly based on certain impressions. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Um, I would like us to get to the impression sort of stage because I think it looks it looks cool. You know what I mean? It's I love the kit. I love yeah. the kit side of things. And, um, but I think you know, Bravo. There's a bit of work yet to be done, and there's progress always to be made. But again, you might see a photo on the internet of some guy on a kind of terrorism exercise or whatever, whatever, and people, it goes ballistic, it goes viral, and that's what everyone thinks that SF or whatever are wearing there and then. But I've, I've chats with you know my old man and things like that. It's it's not the case. It's just because one person's wearing it doesn't mean everybody is. Right. So, you know, it's a lot of it is bastardised and it's put together and it's, you know, old pouches on a new plate carrier, but it's muscle memory. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. you know, some of the things that these guys are wearing, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even think, you, you know, you wouldn't even, everyone thinks it's all cry precision and everything, but sometimes it might just be as simple as a black or pouch, but that pouch has lasted them for years and it's worked every time. So, do you, do you understand what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. It's not always everything's multicam. You know, it might be an OD green pouch on on a, on a multicam vest. Or do you understand what I mean? Yeah. So, um, so it's not as clear cut as just because you're seeing one or two pictures. That's what everyone's wearing. You know, like, you know. But so, as far as Bravo goes, I'm, we're not quite there yet. I don't think. Um, but. The kit within the team is great. It is good. There is so, the lads have spent so much money, and they've really put effort into their own kits, and they've got multiple kits, and you know it's great which direction the team's going in. But, but because there is so much different variety, we're not an impressionist team where we're strict on one sort of regiment or whatever. We yeah. can we can sort of do what whatever we want, whatever we see fit, really. Saying that obviously these uh, SF guys have sort of bastardised kit, they're using perhaps old DPM with new multicam. Where where do people get their their references and also to find out what sort of manufacturers they're wearing? Like you spoke about Cry, obviously there's Patagonia, Artec. Um, there's all these manufacturers. How do these teams know exactly what to get just from looking at say one picture? I think it's because um, I've talked from personal experience here because my kit I try to base on real world as much as possible yeah. and like I say mine's not perfect and I don't know a lot about real world either I, I go by research and speaking to people yeah. um, that might be within that circle or, or, or whatever you know um, so but it, it's there's within this impressionist side of things there's, there's like a community if you want to call it that and everyone sort of helps each other and there's people that are very knowledgeable and do know people that are within that sort of industry that, you know, you get, you get, people find out, you know what I mean? It's, it's a, and people do spend hours, literally, they'll see a picture and go, I need that plate carrier. And they'll spend hours on the internet just looking. I don't, I tend to, I'm lazy, so I tend to wait till I see someone else wearing it and just ask them, you know. 
Um, so finding this sort of kit, where where do people start buying from? Is it easy? Is it specific um, sellers that have their own websites? Is it yeah, available to the general public? Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's obviously it's available to the general public. You do look at, I buy things off eBay. Um, you, you've got Endeavour Tactical. You've got places like that. Um, there is websites and shops that do the hiring gear. Um and uh, some of it as well is literally um, in forum groups and things like that. So right. people want to move their kit on and develop their kit, but you might not be at their level yet. So you're just coming into, say, a cryo APC stage and they're coming out of it. So they want to get rid of it to fund their new one and you end up buying theirs. And, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It, and to be honest, it's, you know, it sounds like it's quite snobbish and things like that. But you know what? You're wearing second, second-hand hand-me-downs, <laughs> a lot of it. Yeah. Did you understand what I mean? Yeah. So it sounds snobbish, but you're wearing hand me downs, really. So yeah, so um a lot of it. But um but yeah, so it's getting in the knowing it's in, and that builds over years. Do you know what I mean? When I look yeah. back at when I started, started airsoft and the kit I was wearing and stuff, and it just progressively builds over time and just gradual. And that's why I say if you if, for new people watching this, if they want to start it, just get stuck in. Because in Three, four years time, or whatever. You don't know where you're going to be at. Do you know what I mean? It's... Yeah, you don't know what sort of level you're going to be taking airsoft to. How seriously you're going to be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might, you might turn up to a game and see like people like our lads, like you know, turning up with nods on and all stuff like that, and you think, fucking, I feel like a right melon here. You know what I mean? But in a few years time, that might be you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But you just got to stick with it. You got to stick. It's one of these slow. It's like a slow burn a hobby. It's like yeah. any hobby, really. You, you, you put the money and dedication into it in the time and, you know, you'll gradually progress through it. It's the same as anything else, really. So, so obviously being uh, one IC of Bravo team, what sort of things do you have to take into consideration uh, for what events you go to? And also, what's the process of you taking on new players into the team? Is there like a criteria that people have to... to match kit wise or are you just looking for their persona how they play the game and their general enthusiasm for the for the sport okay so it's, it's a bit of everything really it's a bit of everything you tend to get a natural feel anyway from taking from taking people into the team you tend to get a natural feel from people anyway yeah um you know um you you, you might see them at events or games or whatever and you, you might see them and think god they, the kit they've got they're they'd fitting well with us um We've even took in people. There's a bit of a mixture. We took in people like Jack, uh, Jack Ireland. He, yeah. we took him on. He's, um, he's never played. He'd never played airsoft. Wanted to play, but because I knew him as a childhood friend, I took him into the team and we built him. Bravo built him to where he is now. You know, it helped him. Um, it's as far as criteria goes. Um, no, there isn't really a criteria as such. It's more, like I say, you get a natural feel to somebody. Um, you watch how they are with other lads, with the lads, how they are in the game as well. Um, because a big thing for me, a massive thing for me is when you wear our patch, so, you know, the wolf as such, yeah, <laughs> when you wear this patch, it's, you, you wear it and you, you show respect for it and you, and you it sounds petty, but you're representing the team. You're representing yeah. Bravo wherever you go. Yeah. So while you wear that part, you represent Bravo wherever you go. So, you know, if you start gobbing off at Marshalls and being a bit of a dickhead to Marshalls or, you know, generally just being a bit of an arsehole, I was, it rubs me up the wrong way. Because I think, no, you, you, 
if you was to wear our patch now, you'd be showing us up, and then that would go around. Oh, them lads from Bravo are dickheads. You know what I mean? Or I don't like that. I like to be. Yeah, we play hard. We play fair. Like, and we we're good at what we do. But I don't want to be known as arseholes for it as well. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's, I want us to have a nice, a good reputation that we're good lads. You know what I mean? And, and we are good lads. The bunch we've got, like, best bunch of lads I've ever I've ever known. Like, ever know. Um. <laughs> so, when I first sort of started the team. Uh, about six, seven years ago, I started off a thing, a three-game trial. And how that come about was because I started off just snatching at anyone, taking anyone in, do you yeah. know what I mean? Grabbing at anyone, anyone that wanted to join it because it was exciting, new team, oh, let's get loads of lads in and, you know. But it didn't work. It just, it was just, there was clashes, there was all sorts going on, you know. And sort of created a rod from my own back, you know. So... I thought, right, I'm going to have to be stricter here about who I start taking in to Bravo. So I created this thing, a three-game trial. So exactly as it says, three games with us. If by the third game, still feel sweet about you, we'll take you in. Or you could have done a, a weekend event, so an AL 500 or a, um, just any, any three-day event, you know, yeah. where we're there all weekend, barbecues, beers, and you tend to find a lot out about somebody <laughs> um, after a few beers, you know, after a few cold ones, you tend to find out what people are really like yeah. but I'm one of these I'm watching all the time even though I don't look it I'm I am I'm watching all the time and I'm very I'm quite strict as you all know um there's been people that I've just got rid of out of the team you know um because they're they're letting us down and they're, they're showing us in a bad light so being them off they're done I'm, I'm quite ruthless like that yeah. um and smudge you know me too I see he's he's quite ruthless with me as well um so um, yeah, so it's it's one of these. It's you just sort of know how you take people on. Um, but if you was to start an airsoft team, my advice would would be don't snatch at anyone because that's where I messed up. Right. Um, take your time. If it's just two, three of you going for a year, then so be it. Do you know what I mean? Just play well together, the two, three of you, and people will see that and go, "I want to be a part of that." That looks like a do you know what I mean? I get asked all the time, can can I join Barbo? Can I can I, um what do I have to do to join, you know, because they see us about and they see us not necessarily playing, because as we play we play great, don't we? But it's it's the social side of it as well. While we're around the campfires and stuff and we're having such a laugh and people see that and it rubs off on people and people want to come and sit with us just to have a laugh and do you know what I mean? But it's because that's been built. I've weeded out the the wrong ones, if you want yeah. to call it that. And I've got my select few now. My, yeah, there's 15, 16 of us. But every person is hand-picked in a way um, that I think benefits Bravo. And I can see something in them that will help the team. And I'm constantly thinking um, about the team. Constantly, like, what works for the team, what doesn't. That's my day-to-day thing. I mean, things have been a bit up in the air at the minute. We're starting a new job. But, yeah. um, but as far as day-to-day running of the team goes, it's got to a point now where I don't have to really do anything. It's the lads run themselves. They, they know what they're doing. They look after themselves, but it hasn't always been that way. It's been tough going through a few years. You know what I mean? It's where I've had to really graft it and try and keep the team together and settle little clashes and be the middleman on things yeah. and, you know, be the medium on things. And, um, and then you're also trying to, it depends where you want to take your team. Um, I went through a phase where I wanted us to be really well known. So I wanted to do a YouTube channel. You know, I wanted to get us 
in all the magazines. You know, you know what I mean? I, I wanted it was massive. And to be honest, it was too much grass. And the the backlash you got as well, if things didn't go right. And within the team as well, it caused like little disruptions within the team and stuff as well. Whereas now I'm just happy just with the lads. We do our thing and it speaks for itself. You know, people want to speak to us or interview us about things and that. We'll do it, but we don't progressively go out looking for it. Yeah. Yeah. So, but the the day-to-day running of the team, um, it's it's just looking for events for us to go to, try and keep the lads interested, um, keep the, the relationship between the whole team. So I have, I have 15, 16 lads. I have to think about each person. Um, I have to watch what sounds, sounds quite, um, quite in, intrusive or whatever, but, um, I have to sort of keep an eye on their personal lives as well, not without digging deep. I mean, yeah. but you might notice one of them's going through a bit of a shit time or, um, or one of them's, like, like myself, I've, I've just been through it, lost my job. Do you know what I mean? And, but I have to keep an eye for that and then sort of be there for them and sort of think, right, how can I get that lad through that? Do you know what I mean? How can I get him through this and pull him through certain scenario and, just to keep the whole team together and keep the relationship going between the team. So, so. You've, you've almost got the that sort of brotherhood mentality that you have in the real world sort of armed forces. You know, speaking Massive. from experience myself, and I'm sure previous guests would say the same thing, that that brotherhood of a team is what you're trying to keep together there. Uh, yeah, massively. What sort of events does... Um, do you plan on Bravo going to? Do you still take them to the skirmishes, take them back to to basics, or do you just keep yep. towards the yep. Wilson Milsom end of the scale? No, not at all. Um, like you say, yeah, um, Bravo, that is a massive thing for me with Bravo, is that we're like a brotherhood. It's, and because of us having serving lads and ex-serving lads and sort of real world people dotted within the team, they help sort of Against handpicked, it's sort of done deliberate, yeah. So, I mean, like yourself, um, you know, having you in there, it's um, you know, having Smudge in there. Um, sorry, people that people I'm talking as if people know who they are, but look at previous podcasts of Kit Cage, you'll see Smudge on here. Um, but you know, having people like that in there, um, that have served and they they get the brotherhood sort of thing and they get the bringing in like a team cohesion, they they sort of they help bring it on and their banter. Is is a different level to normal civvy banter, so yeah, you have to quickly ad- next compared to civvy. <laughs> yeah, it is. <clears throat> so you have to quickly adapt. It's something I had to learn. Um, being a civvy and and then you know becoming best mates with a with a grenadier guard who starts you know saying the <laughs> same things as next level. You have to quickly adapt and learn that sort of mentality. But yeah. you know it sort of helps with the team. Um. Sorry, what was your, what was your original question? Sorry, I've gone off here. I'm <laughs> just saying, um, the type of games the, the team go to, do you still take okay. it back to basics? Do you still take it to the skirmish? Or do you just constantly yeah. around the Battleson Milsim variety? No, definitely. Um, I think it's good to go back to basics. Yep. It's good to just go for a skirmish day. Sort of keeps you rooted. Um, you know, going on in these elite Milsim games and all this, you can sort of lose track of where you're at. If you, or where you came from, if you want to speak like that, you know. Yeah. Um, and, it, and sometimes, you know what, it does the lads good to to get slotted by a bloke that's just been renting a G36 yeah. the other day. Do you know what I mean? Like, sort of bring them down a few pegs, you know what I mean? It, it's kind of good like that, and it's, and it's good to just have a game, no pressure on. 
because there is pressure in these Milsim games, you know, in a certain way, because you'll get tasked with something and you think, God, I can't show the lads up. The lads can't show us up here. Do you know what I mean? They've got they've got to complete that objective to the best of their ability because it shows us up. It makes them stupid, you know. You've got other like sort of well experienced teams there and well experienced individuals, and you don't want to be known at those events for being the fuck up. You know what I mean? So there's a bit of pressure in these events, you know. Whereas a skirmish day, it's just no pressure. You just go. If you want to whack a high cap mag into your gun and just absolutely black the life out of someone, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's, it's just going. It's great. So I like to, you know, arrange for these for the lads to go and just do a squirt, a skirmish day, just to just have a laugh and just get the lads together. And if we haven't seen each other for a while, yeah, because um, you know family commitments or whatever getting in the way, it's nice just to have just one little skirmish day in the middle to break it up. And just keep the lads together. Um, you know, battle sims a little weekend away, barbecues, beers. You know what I mean? It's you know that, that that's what battle sims are good for. If they do the weekend ones, like the kingdom, do great ones. Yeah, up at the kingdom. Up near, um, where is it? Cheadle. Yeah, yeah. Um, we we go to quite a few of them, and you know we go and we, we can have a barbecue and have beers, and that's when the fun starts with the lads. Then and then we play a great game. They always put on a cracking game. Like you know, we always love it. Um, you know, and then you then you have got the Milson games where we go and you know it's hard routine and you know that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, definitely go back to basic. If you're running a team, if you're watching this and you're running a team out there and you're maybe drifting too far into this Milson world, just drag it back every now and then and just see how much of a laugh you have because honestly, you forget how much fun it is, and especially when you've got all the kit now as well. It's it's great because you're just blatting <laughs> people for a laugh. You know, it's wicked. It's proper good fun. I mean, we go to um, Warzone quite a lot. Uh, it's just outside of Coventry. Just yeah, yeah it's not far from Coventry. Uh, Warzone, and they do a cracking skirmish day. It's dead like real fast-paced games. Real fast-paced games only last about thirty-five, forty minutes, if that. And then you're back bombing up again. But I never get through so many mags in my life. Honestly, <laughs> like, it's real close, like short games, like you know, uh, taking over an embassy. But it's like in like a little village, and you sort of like to smash through a little village and people are just blatting you. It's wicked. It's a right good laugh, you know. And then the jail, that's another good one. You know, mm-hmm. breaking through prison cells and, you know, wicked, real good days. Skirmish days are wicked. I love them. So, um, I know not that long ago you went to Wales to do an event uh, called The Trees. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Just explain to us how almost serious that event was and how sort of military simulation based that was. Okay, so this was run by Sterling Airsoft, as a lot of people know who they are. Yeah. Um, and this was, it was always, I'd never done the trees before. I'd heard a lot about the, the trees and how it is quite grueling. I'd be prepared to be trekking up hills and, you know, doing all this, doing all that. And at first it was a bit like off-putting. I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to do this. I'm too much effort, man, you know. <laughs> um, but... You know, there's time and I thought, no, I need to challenge myself here. You know, Bravo was at a point, it, it was at a point where we was too comfortable, far too comfortable. We was going to battle sims and we was going to skirts and we was just romping, like romping things. You know what I mean? It was it was great, you know what I mean? It, it was good, but you sort of think, nah, I need to check us next level now. Like, try and push us a bit more, challenge us a bit, think outside the box. And I'd always wanted to do one of these Sterling events, always wanted to. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to just chuck us in deep end and chucks in the trees which meant to be the hardest one of Sterling, physically hardest one I thought I'll just chuck us in 
and just see how we get on. If we can do that one, we'll be able to do all the others. You know what I mean? You know. Um, so, so yeah, we went to the tree. Fucking hell, mate! It was <laughs> rolling. Like it was got brilliant. Honestly, brilliant. It had such a real world feel to it. Um, these guys at Sterling, their their attention to detail to these events are unbelievable, and the vehicles they use. Um, they use vehicles within the games, but not your, not your normal, just a, a, a snatch Land Rover. They've got like, you know, like the, um, the razors, you know, the Polaris razors. Yeah. And, um, mad things like that. And it's like, fucking hell, they must have spent the fortune organising these games. And you go into proper briefing rooms and you, you watch a proper, you do a proper briefing, team briefing. And, and uh, yeah, uh, for those of you that have done the trees or you, you, you want to go and do the trees, just look out for Cardiac Hill. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say cardiac hill it's horrendous and it, it sort of defied gravity in, in a way so I'm walking up a hill face on but I'm looking into the floor oh. and it's like I shouldn't be standing up right here and you're crawling up it's oh mate crawling crawling event but brilliant but the sense of achievement at the end yep. that all the lads got through it um, I mean the lads that went that we got through it and that is where teamwork really shows there. You cannot go as a group of individuals. You've got to go as a team. I'm ready to, you've got to drag your pal up a hill. You know, you're struggling. Grab him, drag him. It's, it is like, that's where, it, that'll build teams. That'll build teams relationships, definitely. Fantastic. 100%. Um, so just going back to the, your team itself then. What sort of kit uh, are you personally running at the moment? Obviously, you've done some research um, and obviously you've not taken it fully to an impressionist team. So what sort of kit are you running from the real world at the moment? Real world, real steel. Okay. <laughs> so my kit is real world inspired, if you want to call it that. Yep. It's inspired. So I like the look of it. I like the – I want to go for that look. But sometimes you look at the price of some of this stuff that real world are wearing, it's a fortune. Yeah. So so you have to look for replacements that look the same, yeah. but might not be as great quality. So Repro. Yeah, we all hear the time Repro. Yeah. So currently I'm running um I've got I've got all your quiet precision and all that sort of stuff. So I run your quiet precision U backs, quiet precision AC, you know, trousers, um, gen two, I believe. No. Gen 3, I believe I've got. Yeah. Gen 3. I, I get mixed up with the gens on Cry. I get mixed up with them. I think it's Gen 3 I've got. Um, so I run Cry Precision Trousers, Cry Precision Top or Field Shirt. Um, I've got a Cry JPC. I run a JPC with, I have triple Blue Force Gear 10 speed on the front yeah. for me M4 mags. Um, I'll try and keep mine as streamlined as I can. Yeah. And literally just carry what I need. I don't see the point in stacking myself up pouch on pouch on pouch when I'm going to use them all. So, um, I try and literally keep it to a minimum. So literally, if the pouch hasn't got a use, I don't use it. It gets binned. So every pouch I have on me, it it has a purpose, if that makes sense. Even if it sounds just, sounds silly as just a pouch from a packet of facts on my phone. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's got a purpose. It's there. It's, you know, it's a, a fags and morale build. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's a going up cardiac hill and you have to stop halfway. But that pouch is handy then. Um, but yeah, so um, I've got your, your blue force gear on the front. I do like blue force gear pouches. 
because once they're empty, they run flat. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so as I say, look, if I do a mag change on the, on my front, that pouch then becomes flat against me, again streamlining me again because I like the I like the more door kicking style yep. of kit. Um, so, um, so yeah, I like to keep myself as streamlined as possible for getting through doorways and you know that kind of thing, breaching rooms and stuff. Uh, I run a my radio, I run a TRI one five two. I've got a uh, Quay MRB belt. Yep. But I've adapted the buckle. I've changed the buckle. So you get the normal plastic click M click, don't you? Um, yep. What they called M M like buckles, you know. Yep. So what I've done is I've replaced that for a Cobra buckle. Right. And they are metal buckles that literally just click together, and they're so fast to click together. Um, I know it's it's trivial. Uh, I mean, a normal plastic buckle does click together dead quick. It's not, but. I just found that it was coming loose. So when you put the MRB belt on, um, do, do you run an MRB yourself? I do. Or yeah. it, or have you got the blast belt? Or have you got a blast belt? So you know when you click it together and you've got that, that stray bit of, you've got like the strap that you pull it, pull it tight basically, don't you, the belt? Yeah. And then you either roll it up and pull it in the sniper, tape it up or whatever. I found it was forever coming loose. It was forever doing, it was doing my heading. Do you know what I mean? But so I swapped it for a Cobra buckle. And the Cobra buckle, it's got like a, you know, you thread the strap through, yeah. through the, the loop. When you thread it through, it's got like an extra bit of metal in it that sort of stops it coming back on itself. Yeah. Yeah, so it stops it coming back on itself. So I found I was, with pulling that on, you, I'm not pulling my belt tight as much, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that worked for me. It was, it was a problem I had with my kit, which I had to sort of work out and sort myself. Uh, I come across these Cobra buckles. They're not expensive. I think they're about 20, 30 quid. Um, but they, it's made such a difference with just keeping my belt together. Do you know what I mean? And just keeping it up to the position I like it on my hip. Do you know what I mean? Not instead of it dropping. Um, so yeah, and on that on this MRB belt, I've got a Blue Force Gear IFAC, a micro trauma kit. You know. Yeah. Um, I've got a double clock pistol mag pouch, Blue Force Gear again. A lot of mine's Blue Force Gear. Um, <laughs> I have also got. Going back to what I said before about this pouch has worked for me forever. It's just one of these things, muscle memory. I just know where it is and it works. I've got a warrior grenade grenade pouch, smoke grenade pouch yep. on my back, the back of my belt. And it's the one with the, it's got the flap over and it clicks together, you know, with the plastic buckle. Yep. Just because I've just got so used to just unclicking it and whipping out a smoke and you know what I mean? And so I couldn't let it go. So I had to have that on there. Um, I've got, um, carabiners with chem lights coming off them. So I've got green chem lights and red chem lights. And the reason we use those is purely because if we clear a room at a Milsim event, this is more Milsim now I'm going into instead of your skirmish. But if I go into a Milsim and we're clearing rooms or whatever, if the room is clear, as we come out, we drop a green chem light at the door. Yeah. It tells the rest of the lads coming down the corridor that it's clear. Uh, if we drop a red one at the door, it means it's not quite clear. There's something in there that needs sorting out. So it might be a diffusion IED yep. or, or there's a point of interest in there or it hasn't been cleared. We've had to move past it. That needs sorting. Yeah, so that's why we, That's why if you see people with chem lights hanging off their belt, that is why it's used. Um, for people that know what like what it's for, that, that is, that's what we use it for. Um, what else have I got on there? Uh, I run my boots. Boots, definitely. Massive thing. Um, 
pay for decent boots. Don't cheap out on boots. That's that's the one like thing I massively think. Um, there's loads of brands out there that are wicked. So I mean, like real decent boots. Um, but I run Aku Pilgrims, right? And I love them. I love the look of them, the feel of them. They're dead comfy for me. Some people don't get on with them, but I, they they work for me. I can't get on with Solomon's, but some people are the opposite way around. So I can't get on with Solomon's at all. Like they they hurt, but Aku's fit me perfect. Um, and they've never let me down. So, but always invest in a decent pair of boots. Always. The terrain you're going to be playing over, you've got to. Um, I am looking to change though my boots. I am looking. Um, I'm looking at the Sportiva at the minute. The Sportiva. If you look at them, they're just some wicked boots, like yeah. Or a Solos, I like them as well. A Solo. They're good. They're nice boots as well. You see those in Seal Team a lot of solos. <laughs> if you look at people like Clay in Seal Team and things like that, you'll see if they they got like a red sole on the bottom of them. Like they're like the Lebutins, Christian Lebutins of uh, yeah, softball, oh, the military world. Um, but yeah, so you got boots and gloves. Wear pigs, pigs, right? Pigs gloves, good brand. Um, however, someone in the team um, will go against that and say pigs are terrible because he's caught fire when he threw a grenade, I believe, or something like that. Uh, um, I believe it was it was smudge again. I think he was on the firing range using his pigs. Firing range. That was it. He was on the firing range and his gloves caught fire burnt. Yeah. yeah. But mine, I, I love mine because I like how tight fit they are. Yeah. Um, you know, and sometimes I used to, I've had mechanics in the past, mechanics gloves, and I always cut the finger off the trigger finger. Yeah. Um, but with pigs, I haven't had to do that. Because they don't, I used to find the mechanics used to catch in the trigger guard. Do you know what I mean? Um, right. You know, as I'm trying to pull it. So I used to cut the finger off mm. to make it dead easier. But pigs, I haven't had to do that yet. So, but if it starts happening, that would get cut off. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, having all this real world kit, what about real world tactics? You've got obviously serving and ex serving in the team. Um, obviously, at some point, they're going to impart some wisdom on how it's done in the real world. Do you think real-world tactics has its part in Airsoft? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Well, it does. I mean, bringing in the lads that serve in real world, like, you know, um, the lads that we've got within the team that have served or have served, they've brought their knowledge of real war zones into the team and brought, you know, their battlefield tactics and, you know, um, fire manoeuvre, you know, all that sort of stuff. And it's definitely helped develop the team with how we plan. Yeah. Um, we're not just running around like headless chickens, you know what I mean? Like, like we, we do sometimes, <laughs> but but we do play with a methodical approach and we sort of know, we kind of know what we're doing. And that's because of these guys, the guys that are, that are coming from, you know, military life. Um, easy. It's not as strict, though. It can't be as strict as real world. Do you know what I mean? Because no. at the end of the day, you, you're not going to die. <laughs> so people do get a bit more gun-ho, don't they? And especially, and the worst ones are, the lads that do serve or have <laughs> served, they get the most gun-ho out of everyone because they think, fuck it, it's like a fun version of work. Do you know what I mean? So they think, I'm just going to run for it. Fuck it. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's, it does have its place, but not as strict. Yeah. It's not as strict because what's the worst that's going to happen? You know what I mean? It's, you, know, you have to go back to respawn. It's, do you know what I mean? It's, what's the worst that's going to happen? <laughs> So, obviously, we've heard in previous podcasts how it, Airsoft has helped through uh, mental and physical injuries. What do you personally believe about Airsoft that 
would help somebody that's been struggling mentally or, you know, come out of the services with PTS uh, or even a civvy that's got um, perhaps depression from that? How do you believe Airsoft helps these people? Um, right, okay. So I can't talk for every individual, obviously, because every individual is different and every person's what they've been through is, is completely different, you know what I mean? Um, but what I can do is talk from personal experience. So, um, where do I go? So, a few years back, I lost my job. I lost my job. I had a real good paid job. Everything was going great. All of a sudden, bang, job took from under my feet and put me in real shit state. Yeah. And I mean, bad. Bad shit state uh, financially, mentally, everything. Um, to the point where I thought, I'm done here. Um, and it was the tipping point was over a car. That's funny enough, without going too deep, it was over a car. Uh, it failed its MOT in a time where I had no money. That was, that was as trivial as that, a piece of metal. And I thought, that's it. I'm done. I was going to struggle. You know what I mean? Really struggled. And if it wasn't for the lads that I have around me today, um, who knows what would have happened. But... The being part of this team and running this team and the relationship I've got with every individual and in every individual lad I've got in this team really pulled me through. Um, and so airsoft for me is a massive thing, I believe, for mental health. Massive. It helps so much. If you're feeling a bit pissed off in a week, you've had a shit week at work. It's all right. Sunday, you can go fucking hammer someone. I don't, I don't, Think you should go out and hurt people. <laughs> no, that isn't what I'm trying to promote here. But I mean, go out and just go for it, you know, what I mean? and really go gunno and it really lets off steam. It really does. Um, you know, thanks to the lads from Bravo that, you know, helped me through them times. You know, it's it was real tough, but it's that's what being part of a team's about. Pulling each and it's why I have to watch for other lads that their personal lives as well. So so Someone might, someone in the team might need that. Yeah. You know what I mean? That I needed. And that's it. Right, lads, let's muck in. And uh, even down to silly things, like, I'll never forget this in my life ever. Um, I was going through a proper shit time, real shit state. And I turned up at an event once, and the lads were already there. Camp was already set up. And as soon as I got out of the car, they were like, right, sit down. We've got a surprise here. And I sat down. I sat down. They chucked a beer in my hand, and they'd, you know, they'd all chipped in money together and bought me some, like, gifts. So they bought me T-shirts. <laughs> um, just, like, t- a T-shirt that I really wanted. Do you know what I mean? But I couldn't afford because I'd lost my job. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that just meant the world. So if you are struggling with mental health at this moment in time or whatever, or in the future or whatever, and you play airsoft and you feel a bit alone at this time and it's a bit, a bit dark at the minute, like reach out to people, get yourself in a team if you have to. Yeah. Do, do you understand what I mean? Like, find a team that's got lads that are just a laugh and just good bunch of lads, and just just get yourself in with them, uh, and get people around you because that really helped me. It massively helped me, and the game itself that helps as well. It relieves stress. It's 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 huge for mental health. I really believe it. Really believe it. Yeah, because you got the the physical element of it running about. You've got obviously the release of stress when you're you're firing those. Well, it releases endorphins, doesn't it? When you yeah. when you're doing physical activity, it releases endorphins. So straight away you feel happier anyway. Yeah. And um, so there's that. 
but then you've got your brothers behind you as well who make you laugh and someone might someone might take the piss out of you and go come on you miserable bastard or whatever do you know what I mean yeah and it just makes you laugh it might make you chuckle do you know what I mean it's you know it's definite yeah absolutely massive thing massive huge um, so obviously you've been doing airsoft a while now mm-hmm. where are you going to take that from airsoft to suit your personal life are you thinking of joining the reserves are you thinking of yeah, you yeah. know taking it to real life point of view okay yeah so this is where the the this podcast sort of now the complete flip side yeah. to what you previously people you previously interviewed so um yeah so being in airsoft for so long now and having lads in the team sorry for me the opening of the can here <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> um yeah so the um being in the team and having the serving lads around me so much and being around that environment and the the way of their life, if that makes sense, it's yeah. kind of rubbed off on me a bit. And it sort of made me bring back a childhood dream where um, I've actually applied for, oh, well, I'm going through the selection process at the moment for the Army Reserves. Fantastic. Um, yeah, so it, it helped me to want to join again. Yeah. So when I was a kid, uh, going through school, that's all I ever wanted to do, was join the Army. Uh, I had a big dream of being a sniper, massive dream of being a sniper, until... Um, <laughs> A counsellor, a behaviour counsellor I used to have at school, <laughs> uh, arranged for two military personnel to come into my school to have a chat with me. And one of them was a sniper. And he told me, don't fucking do it. He said, he's the biggest load of shit in the world. He says, he's crap. Like, don't do it. Like, you know. And it completely put me off. As soon as he told me you're shitting in bags and putting them in your pocket in, you know, in a pouch, it completely put me off. So went through school, carried on with all that <laughs> and really wanted to sign up for the army. And when I left school, that's what I wanted to do. And I let my family talk me out of it. Let my family talk me out of it. And that was it. When and got a job, uh, I then went to college, studied sport. <laughs> um, had the dream of, right, I'll, if I can't be in the army, I'll be a PE teacher. Wow. So, yeah, complete <laughs> flip coin. Decided to then have a gap year after college because that was too much. I couldn't be asked anymore. <laughs> I didn't want to go off to uni yet. I wanted the gap, gap year in between college and uni. And never went to uni. I just worked then um, all the way through in jobs that I never really liked. Just did them because of that to uh, money, you know. And uh, it's always been in the back of my mind that I've always wanted to be in the military, always. And then meeting guys in the team that have served and that kind of thing, it made that thing in the back of my mind come right to the front, gradually come right to the front. And it was like, this is something I've got to do. Um, for myself personally, a bit of self achievement, like a self goal, you know. And but now it's it, the reason how people might ask, why have you gone reserves instead of regulars? So the reason I've gone reserves is because I have my own, fa- I have a young family, so I've got my wife and my two kids. Um, and it, financially, I couldn't be away for them twelve weeks basic training. Yeah, that's the only thing that's stopping me. You know, basic training twelve weeks. I can't be away for that length of time, leaving my wife to run this house on her own. It would cripple us. But, but the reserves, you can, you can sort of break it up and do it round your full-time job as well. So you can still earn as well. Do you, do you understand what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. that's the only reason I've gone reserves, really. Um, and it's still it's scratching that itch. So, But it's because of bloody airsoft, isn't it? It's, <laughs> it's <sweaty. laughs> How are you finding the re- recruitment process at the moment, man? If you know, how much does it differ from reservist to regular? Um, well, from what I'm led to believe, 
the recruiting process so far has been quite good. It's quite plain sailing. A couple of slip-ups along the way. Uh, yeah, but uh, it's quite. it's been quite smooth, but a lot of waiting, waiting around. Yeah. So you might do, I don't know, like a psychometric style test or whatever, and then you have to wait then a few weeks for your next bit. Do you know what I mean? And you're booking things in and, you know. Um, so it's been quite smooth. Um, but as far as I go with the, what I believe with the, the difference in process between the regulars and reserve, it's pretty much the same, I believe. It's just a lot more broken up. So the recruitment process up until the stage I'm at now is exactly the same because when I was doing things like my medical and my, my, my fitness test and all that, I was with people that were going for the regulars. Wow. So I thought it was just the reserves, all the reserves that was going to be there at um, Litchfield, Whittington Barrett. But it wasn't. It was people going for Paris. There was people going for Paris, regulars. And wow. there was all sorts. Yeah, yeah. It's just you you are specific. So when you do your run, your 2K run or your bleep test as it is at the minute. So that, that bloke who might be going for Paris next year, he's got to get, I think, what was it, eight point. Some, um, 11 point something on the bleep test wow. Whereas I, but because I was going for Fusiliers I only had to get 8.6 I believe it was or something like that 8.6 yeah do you see what I mean so what they do is if you get to 8.6 they'll go right you're done and you just stop there and you're done and then so you just aim for that 8.6 I believe it was um, but where it changes is when you go off on your phase on phase two um, or it used to be called uh, Alphas and Bravos for reserves. Right. Um, alphas and Bravos, but it's your phase one, phase two. Um, so whereas a regular goes away for the 12 weeks or whatever, um, you can, with the reserves, you can choose to do it on the weekend. Yeah. So you can choose to, you can choose to do it over weekends or you can go away for two weeks, come home and then, do you know what I mean? And break it up a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's a lot more flexible, which is what works for me and my family. That's why I've done reserves. It's a lot more flexible. So obviously, um, a few years ago, the reservist was known as the Territorial Army, nicknamed the Terriers. Um, how do you feel the rebranding has been in getting more people to sign up for the reserves rather than going full term? Okay, so obviously I'm I'm very new to this. Do you know what I mean? I'm very still going through the process, if you want to call it that. Um, so as far as statistics wise and stuff, I. You know, I don't really know, but I know from a personal point of view, um, the fact that it is more rebranded and it's a bit more even to the regulars. Yeah. Um, that was a that was a massive um decider for me. So that made me want to sign up more because yeah. it was more it wasn't as wasn't as wafty, if that makes sense. So all right, I've got the same kit as you. I've I've, got, I've had the same training as you. The training was the massive thing for me. Right. So it was because you hear about the obviously the, there's always going to be the rivalry between the regs and the reserves. Do you understand what I mean? Like the the regs taking the piss out of the reserves and that. But but it was more of a pride thing for me that well, if I've had the same training as yeah, you can't say what can you say? Do you understand what I mean? It was so if it wasn't if, if it was the fact that they don't have the same training now, I don't think I'd have signed up. I don't think. Okay. And plus, I've heard from people like Smudge, who's in the previous podcast, things like he served you some great reserves. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some that he like wish were regulars. Um, we've got people like Millsy in our team. Yeah, he's a full, he's a reservist, and but the guy's a machine. Do you know what I mean? So it was having people like that around me. So Smud's telling me in what one ear, um, you know, 
there's been some reserves that have been out with in Afghan, that, you know, top lads, you know, but so you start thinking, okay, maybe it's not as frowned upon as I thought. Yeah. Then I see people like Millsy, who's unreal, like a machine, and you think, well, he's cool as fuck, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't sound like licking his ass, Millsy. Um, but like, but do you know what I mean? It's like, so you think, oh, man, it's not, there's not that stigma so much. It was the stigma thing for me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, um, that was sort of holding me back a bit. But then when you start realising that it's all been rebranded and you've all pretty much got the same thing. I mean, you even get issued your own rifle. Wow, so no... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, no, you get issued your own rifle and everything, so... Oh, wonderful SA80. The wonderful SA80, yeah. <laughs> um, which I'm not at that stage yet. I'm not at yeah. that stage yet, so... Um, but you know, when I do, that's that is that's what will happen. There's an armory at my um, unit, my barracks. So yeah, you have your rifle there and stuff. So fantastic. Um, is there anything you want to circle back on? Is there anything you feel that we haven't touched on as much as you want to during this interview? No, to be honest, I, I think you've pretty much covered it all. Um, the mental health thing is a massive thing for me. Yeah. Um, I think airsoft's a, a real thing that can really help people. Um, also, guys, um, Pilgrim Bandits, I have to talk about that. Absolutely. Being a loyal yeah. son, being a loyal son, and all that. Um, Pilgrim Bandits, guys, if you don't know about them, go back a couple of episodes and watch uh, my dad, uh, the Midlands coordinator and trustee of the Pilgrim Bandits. Um, he will explain everything, he knows more about it than I do. But look back a couple of episodes and have a watch of him. Uh, have a look at their website, and if you can donate or anything like that, then please do um you know and also if you have any old kit that you don't like or you want to get rid of um my dad actually runs a charity shop like an airsoft charity shop and he takes it around events with him and he sells stuff for pennies but all the money goes to the charity <laughs> which is i think's a cracking idea i think it's a great idea to be honest uh, it's like an airsoft charity shop right. um if you have any old kit or anything that you want to get rid of uh, that you think might be useful to someone just starting out in the sport like we've previously talked about yep um, to save them running about in their hoodies and joggers and all that, and it's their first ever plate carry or whatever, let us know. Um, if you can't contact my dad, contact me and I'll pass it on or whatever. Fantastic. Um, apart from that, also big shout out to the Bravo lads. Um, thanks for everything over the years, all the hard work you've done. Brock yourself, um, top lad. Thank you Brilliant. very much. Thanks very much. For your I hope time. I've done you justice, mate. You I hope have. I've done it justice. You certainly have. Thanks very much for your time and thank you very much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure no to problem. finally get the chance to talk to you in this fashion. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's been really good. Thank you very much indeed. No problem. Cheers, bro. Cheers, mate. Thanks, buddy. Bye. <laughs>